You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. The business talk show airs on Tuesdays at 4 p.m., heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we here at the radio show and the radio station encourage you to consider listening to our program live during our broadcast time. The show is brought to you by our sponsors, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, Smart Business Magazine, and our newest sponsor, Smart Stop Self-Storage. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, to make better business decisions. If you're listening to the program live today, and you think you may want to participate in the conversations that I'm planning to have with our two guests, then find the Community Chat Room section of octalkradio.net's website. There you can log on with your Twitter ID, This will connect you to our engineer, who today our engineer is, let me look, Paul Roberts. He's on the other side of the glass here in the studio, and he will bring your thoughts and ideas to my attention, and I might be able to work them into our interview either later with Alex or presently with our first guest here today on the program, Chris Meyer. Chris is the owner of Expedia Cruise Ship Centers. And I've asked him to join the show to discuss opening one of 16 different travel businesses under the Expedia brand. Expedia Cruise Ship Centers is a full-service travel agency that helps to customize vacations at the best value possible. I'm going to ask Chris to share a bit of his insights on how his company generated more than $1.2 million within the first 10 months of operations. So please help me to welcome Chris to Critical Mass Radio Show. Welcome to the program, Chris. Thanks, Rick. Let's begin by asking you to talk a little bit about your professional experience. Here on the radio program, I sometimes say, tell us about your path to Expedia Cruise Ship Centers. Well, prior to taking on this challenge, I spent 30 years as a journalist. I worked at the Orange County Register And during that time, I started out as a copy boy, back when that was a politically correct term, and uh, worked my way up to being the deputy editor for local and business news for my last nine years with that operation. Okay, so how did you go from that endeavor and that profession to owning your business? Well, it's a funny story. I, um, one day, I, uh, saw a targeted LinkedIn ad for this business opportunity, something I never actually click on, but I did in this case. And I started um, following the the path of learning about the opportunity. And at first it intrigued me, and the more I learned about it, the more I thought, hey, this is a business um, that's time has come that really is a great opportunity. And... I was at a point in my career and some of the challenges in the newspaper business of thinking, why not, um, why not try something new? There were challenges in the newspaper industry? Yes, some significant challenges. <laughs> so, so 
are you not the type of person that took extensive cruises and it was the passion and love of your life? I mean, did you take those kind of trips or is was this a, a new departure for you or what is it about the business that caught your attention? Well, I love to travel and my travels, you know, started when I graduated from high school by spending a summer backpacking and surfing through Hawaii. And, you know, I've hiked 50 miles across the Sierras. I've taken Prior to joining the company, I'd taken a couple of cruises, and I'd find them to be a fine vacation, but I'd done all kinds of other travel. Um, uh, it, it's interesting. We're Expedia Cruise Ship Centers because of a corporate merger. We really specialize in all kinds of vacation travel. The cruise moniker really has to do with um, just a real meeting of supply and demand right now. Demand for cruises is even up since the recession because more people have traded down into cruises from more expensive land vacations than traded out of cruises during the difficult economic times. And um, and the cruise lines, knowing that, have um, are building more and more ships. And, in fact, some of the river cruises in Europe, they can't build enough to keep up with demand. So our, our focus on cruises, which is about 60% of our business, is is really because that's where the that's really where the business is. The suppliers need people like us to make sure their ships are full, and the consumers, in many cases, looking at a very complex kind of vacation plan, need need some personalized help in making it happen. So help me to understand because um, I'm not that familiar with this part of the industry. Here's what I think I know, and tell me. Uh, maybe help me to understand where I might be misunderstanding it or okay. what has changed. I remember when travel agents and services that I, that sound like what you're doing for your clients were under extreme pressure from the industry. Is that no longer the case? or What, what has changed that caused you as an entrepreneur to say, this is where I'm going to invest and this is where I'm going to grow kind of the next phase of my career? Well, first I'll tell you how I see the phase of the industry, and then I'll tell you how this fits in. So if you think of, um, go back 30 years, think of um, you're in a, 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 a time of Travel Agency 1.0. And Travel Agency 1.0 was mostly mom-and-pop outfits, some of them connect loosely connected to consortiums, larger companies like American Express or AAA or, or, or that, and and they really, their business was built on walk-in traffic and Rolodexes and paper. And, um, and they had proprietary systems, and they actually had to print right in their office airline tickets. And the airline tickets were actually very profitable before deregulation. So then along comes um, de- um, airline deregulation, and then a while later the Internet and online travel agencies. And online travel agencies were like Travel 2.0. And in that phase, um, a lot of people said, well, well, airline tickets are a commodity, a seat on United and a seat on American. There's no real differentiation there. Um, you know, I'll type on my computer and save five bucks here, save five bucks there, and then go around. And I'm, I'm starting to get comfortable um, booking some things online, um, which is great. And a lot of travel migrated that way, and in fact, of the 30,000 travel agencies that in the 1.0 era had 
populated the U.S. that shrunk to around 12,000, 13,000 locations during that time. Um, but what Expedia found in 2007, when they went back at their very successful business, being the biggest travel online travel agency in the world, what they found is, man, we're getting a really good return. We sell a lot of airline tickets, very low-margin product. We sell a lot of two or three nights in a hotel, pretty low-margin product, but we sell a lot of it. it. makes us very profitable. But, boy, could we sell more? We don't sell very many cruises or guided tours or polar expeditions or things that are more complex, also more costly, also have higher margins. How can we do that? And they did a Gallup-type survey of travel customers, and they found that 75% of the people indeed said they were comfortable booking a flight online. And, but 75% of the people said they were not comfortable booking something like a cruise online. And so the, the head guys at Expedia said, okay, great. Let's do, a focus, let's do some focus groups, and we'll figure out how to improve the website to overcome those objections. But they were really over, not overcomable objections. What they learned was the, the, the ticket price was an important objection. A fl- average flight is 400 bucks. Average cruise is much more. It's, in, it's got commas in it. It might be 3000 for two people. Um, same thing with an average couple nights in a hotel, a lot less than a guided tour through Europe. And um, and there, there wasn't really anything you could do to Expedia.com to overcome those objections. So Expedia, a big smart company and a very and became, becoming a diversified company, decided, well, we need to be if we're going to be a diversified travel company and the biggest travel company in the world, we need to sell travel the way people want to buy it. So when they want to do that $400 air ticket, they can go to Expedia.com and we'll try to make that experience as simple as possible. But when they want to do that more complicated thing and they really don't want to do it on Expedia.com on an, with, on an 800 line or something like that, and they really want to walk into a place where they can gaze at a big map and open some brochures and look at some pictures and compare some different um, I, um, choices and understand the differences between the choices, we'll do that too. And that's, that's why I think this is a great business opportunity. Um, first of all, um, there probably isn't a demand because of the world today for 30,000 travel agencies in the U.S. There's probably a demand for more than the 12,000 that exist. So I think, you know, we're, we're moving into a slot where there's great opportunity. Well, that was an interest. Thank you for that comprehensive answer because what you also did was give us sort of an education on the life cycle of an industry and how technology can be disruptive but then complementary. I love to have these opportunities on the program when our listening audience can apply your experience to their industry and technology is a disruptive influence at different times in different industries and but you can see how it might come full circle back to a model that's more balanced and and so thanks for sharing that with us we're going to my engineer is letting me know it's time to take our first commercial break here on critical mass radio show chris so when we come back from that break i'd like you to share with our audience the guiding principle that you're applying to growing Expedia cruise ship centers here in Orange County. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. Chris Meyer will be back. But first, let's hear from these sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, What happens when you retire? 
or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com I got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sink. With Smart Stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's the smarter way to store. Smart Stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart Stop, the smarter way to store. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. And if you're contacting SmartStop, which I encourage you to do if you have storage needs, make sure to mention octalkradio.net and Critical Mass for Business when you contact them. Okay, let's return to our guest, Chris Meyer. Chris, we were talking about your guiding principle. Could you share that with our audience, please? Sure. Well, First of all, I think the, the, the summary of our business in a sentence is that we have Expedia prices plus concierge service. So we want to use that to, um, to win customers and win them for life. What, we really, what our guiding principle is is to really take somebody's travel experience to a level that they didn't think it could be, whether, it's, whether they want relaxation or adventure or cultural immersion, whatever their goal is, to really find a way to give them an experience that's better than they had hoped and get responses like we've gotten on Yelp, things like best family vacation ever. And then to have, to, to have that customer you know, come back over and over again and really be a partner with them to uh, plan their experiences to see the world. So tell us about what you are seeing. Now, I know that you're a newer company, newer firm. We talked about the fantastic results you've had in the first 10 months of operation, and I'm going to ask you about that a little bit later in the interview, but I'm trying to get a sense for our audience what's going on in the economy, so we get a chance every week to talk to a couple different entrepreneurs and owners of businesses here on Critical Mass Radio Show. So from your perspective in your industry, what is the economy saying to you as far as recovery or not recovery, recession, not recession? What are you seeing? I think it's wobbly. My experience in my, you know, directly is pretty anecdotal. I don't think it's, um, you know, I can give you a clear thing. I think people are definitely focused on value. I think they're, um, everybody's price sensitive. Nobody's using the um, home equity line as an ATM machine to buy luxury um, things like travel or home improvements. That said, what the data from the travel industry shows is that people are still traveling, and they're doing it for a couple of reasons. 
they know that time is the one thing that they can't buy more of. And so they know if they're going to take that great family trip, the kids are only going to be at home for so long. Or they know if they're going to trek Machu Picchu, they might not be able to do it forever, and they need to figure out that they're going to do it. So what what the industry research shows is that people are more likely to keep a car a couple years longer or not do a big home improvement than they are to completely put off a trip but they're going to be very careful about their spending on that trip. Back, my kids are now in their 20s, and uh, some of the best memories my wife and I have of of when our children were younger were those forced, quote-unquote, two-week vacations that we would take each summer to kind of reconnect as a family. So from my perspective, I hope people continue to take extended vacations and uh, use that time to invest with their family because that's memories that you could never get back. Like you said, they're only young once. Yeah. Let's talk about this interesting relationship with Expedia and the launch of your business. So, so what were the key advantages from your perspective of working with a brand like Expedia to create this business that you have now created? Well, first of all, Expedia gives you instant credibility and instant curiosity. So people often poke their heads in the door here and they say, Expedia, I thought that was an Internet company. And that allows me to give my little um, explanation of what we do, like I gave earlier in the interview, or any of my consultants to do that. And, um, and what most people then say, though, is, oh, yeah, I've used Expedia. They always have good prices. So that gives us... Um, if, if, I, it was, if it was Chris Meyer's travel shop, we wouldn't have that. Um, but we have that sort of instant recognition, instant credibility. Number two, we have leading-edge technology. We're, we're a technology company that specializes in travel. A lot of those travel agency 1.0s that are still around, they're travel companies that are a little bit um, either overwhelmed or distrustful of technology or figure it's a necessary evil. But we embrace technology. We believe that technology enables us to, um, to do a better job. And number, number three, Expedia is, does have good prices because they're the big guys, so they have the best buying power out there in the industry. So what we can, um, as a company, can negotiate with um, the suppliers and pricing it gives us you know, a pricing advantage as well. So would you have gone into this industry if, it, if you didn't have the opportunity to partner with Expedia? No. So that really it was a decision point for you, the fact that what they brought and their brand. It's interesting how people uh, have a positive sense of value from Expedia, and you get the halo of that in your business, even though the consumer hasn't yet tested your services and your value pricing. Yeah, well, and, and you know, they, they will test us, but it gives us an opening. Exactly. It gives us a place to talk to them. Uh, I did not have a hankering to be an entrepreneur necessarily. I was fairly comfortable in a, you know, in a, manage, in a director-level job with a paycheck every other Friday. I did not have a hankering to buy a franchise. But what I found here was what I thought was a really good business model, and I decided to take a risk and do something that hadn't been a long-range plan of mine, but I just thought, hey, it's opportunity knocking. Let's, let's answer the door. 
Well, this month here on Critical Mass Radio Shows, we're doing entrepreneurship and the beginning as uh, the theme for each guest that we're featuring on the program. And I think your story is a perfect way to kick the the theme off here in the month because of your background, how long you've been in business, and the success that, that you've had. Let's Let's share or talk about a challenge. I guess you're going to do the sharing. I'm going to do the listening. But, you know... What challenge are you currently facing in the business that you would like to share with our audience? And what ideas that you've either started to implement or plan on implementing are you going to use to mitigate that challenge from affecting your growth and future success? Well, I think the challenge I'm facing now is a challenge that um, is sort of an ongoing one that I've learned about gradually ever since I've been in management. And, you know, people are the most important thing, and they can also be the biggest challenge. So, um the biggest challenge in growing this business is attracting the right consultants and the right clients. To be a travel consultant in this business and be successful at it, you need to blend some traits that aren't necessarily in everybody. You need to be personable and articulate, so you can't really be an introvert, but you also need great detail orientation and research and technical skills because you got to cross the T's and dot the I's and get things right. So finding that, that's a relatively rare breed. Sometimes those, those um, skills can be mutually exclusive in people. And then attracting the right clients also. You know, there are people out there who, um, you know, look to travel, and all they look to, you know, their only focus is um, price. And they, don't, and they almost think of it, things that aren't commodities, as commodities. But they say, save me five bucks, and that's the most important thing. And those are really clients for some of our competitors are the clients that we need to find are people who you know really want to explore the world and see the world and not that they're not price sensitive but that price is part of the value equation that i always um i always draw up you know value equals price plus experience and different people put different weights on each of those two pieces and so we definitely, our ideal clients have a heavier weight on um, experience than um, some people do. So it's, you know, people, I think, in management, it's been that way for the 25 years I've been in management. It's always, it's always the biggest challenge but can have the biggest, the biggest reward. That is so true. Uh, we share a book in the critical mass business community that talks about navigating successfully navigating different phases of an entrepreneur's business cycle. And the common factor that this research team found is that regardless of the business size of your company, the number one ingredient for complexity in your business are the people that you employ, especially in a service-oriented business when so much of the client values the perceived relationship they have with the people who are delivering the services. Yeah, and, and really, and, and to just emphasize that point, um, our, our, biz, our whole business, our whole CRM system is designed not to create a relationship between big Expedia and a client. It's to re- create a relationship between Joe Consultant and a client and let them develop a close relationship because although Expedia is a great brand and is known as a low-price leader, it, it, it has to win a new customer every time because Expedia.com is, is really strictly a, a price-driven mechanism. But what our division can do is develop this customers for life philosophy, really develop relationships that are ongoing and loyal. 
And that's the exact reason, if I understood earlier when you talked about why Expedia got into this line of business, is they realized they could not get at that client without that local presence and that consultant that's in your business. Again, they want it, their, their mantra really is, we'll sell travel the way people want to buy it. So mm-hmm. we won't force you to buy it on Expedia.com, although a lot of you will, but we'll find ways to deliver it to you in the way that you prefer. Two more questions here for your time with us on Critical Mass Radio Show, Chris. First one is, can you think about a time in your professional career where you learned a really valuable lesson that's probably serving you well today, but it might have come out of a time that was a difficult or challenging experience for you? You know, I'm going to dig way back because um, a dear friend who worked for me years ago passed away over the weekend, and as I was talking to a reporter yesterday for the obituary, I thought about this. And, and, and there were two things. First of all, there's the painful one, and then there was the solution. So way back in the late 80s, I was new to management, and I hired somebody, and I had doubts about the person, but the person had an advanced degree, and, and I was wowed by the credentials, and it was a, the worst hire ever made because the doubts in my gut should have, should have paid, been more than the credentials. Then there was another time that was the big that was a big challenge because you know getting rid of somebody who's the wrong person to get in is like a painful experience and I think everybody in management knows that so that was a hard lesson a little bit later I had the need for a business columnist and none of the young reporters who worked for me really wanted to do what I wanted to, them to do with a business column just really simply in a friendly way talking about the comings and goings and specials and advancements of little local businesses. None of the journalists, the young 20-something journalists who thought they would, were going to win a Pulitzer Prize someday did a good job at that. In fact, they would do a bad job at that in per, on purpose because they didn't want to do it. So I went to this one, nice old older woman who was, was at that time not that much older than I am now, but and I, who was our receptionist. And I said, Marilyn, you know, could you try this business column for me? And she said, Chris, I'm not a trained writer. I can't do that. I'm just a receptionist. I said, Marilyn, I'll coach you, but I think you have the right personality. And if we could get you writing it in the right way and talking to people, I think it'd be good. And I said, Marilyn, I have faith in you. And she became an institution and in her obituary today and on the um, story about the obituary, reader after reader from that paper is saying, you know, we, I loved Marilyn. I read that every week. And in that case, it was somebody with no credentials but who I had a gut feeling could do it. And I think that's, that was a big lesson, and I take that with me every day. Oh, that's, a, that's a great story. All right, I'm going to shift your gears to the future. Tell us about your growth opportunity. You had what I think on the surface sounds like a fantastic first 10 months, $1.2 million, and your first 10 months of operation. What do you see the future holding for the company, Chris? Well, I mean, we're continuing on that pace. Um, you know, we had our best month ever just in January, our 13th month. So, so will that? You know, the numbers growth will uh, will continue to go if we can if we can just keep the momentum going. But you know, I think the main thing we need to do is um, first we need to look at more specialization. So I'm working with um, the consultants who work with me to develop natural specializations um, so that we can then. Um, you know, use that to attract, continue to attract new customers. So in other words, instead of just being a generalist, we'll always be a full-service generalist agency, 
But I've got somebody who spent the first 30 years of her life in England, who's my Europe specialist. I've been to Hawaii nine times. I'm a Hawaii specialist. I got somebody who loves bridge. I got somebody else who's a, who owns a boat, who's a sailor. Uh, trying to develop, um, trying to really develop the specialties is the next step in my business. And then we're going to look and see if we should have more bricks and mortar locations in Orange County. I mean, I think we should, but we're going to look for the right timing with for that. I've um, already had some talks with the. Um, with the president of our division about, um, you know, a plan going forward for that. So if someone would like to learn about your services, see more about your firm, how do they find you online? What's your website? The website is um, cruiseshipcenters, with an S, dot com, slash Saddleback Valley. Well, I'm so glad to have you on the program in this month where we're talking about entrepreneurship and in the beginning because you are a shining example of what a professional can do from focusing. And I think hopefully there are some people in our audience either listening live today or maybe in the future, Chris, that will take the chance and make a career decision and a career change like you did and hopefully get the same kind of positive results. So, Chris, thank you for being on the program. Appreciate you being a friend of the program as well. Hey, thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Have a good day. All right, you too. All right, that was our first guest here on the theme of the month, being entrepreneurship on Critical Mass Radio Show. Our second guest, my engineer tells me, is on the line and ready to roll. So when we get back, we are going to talk with Alex, and I'm going to pronounce Alex's name. And you hold on, ladies and gentlemen, because... I will not I've not met Alex before, so this is all new to us, but I understand it's Fondrier. Fondrier, yeah, my producer gave me a high my engineer gave me a high five, so Alex can't wait to have you on the program. He is founder and CEO of Political Matchmakers. What an interesting concept this guy has. Can't wait to get him on the program. But first let's take this commercial timeout. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. 
Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Thank you for listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. And you know, this show is just one in our Critical Mass Radio Show series. Yes, here on Tuesdays at 4 o'clock, you can hear insights and ideas, advice from entrepreneurs and business owners and executives throughout Southern California. On Wednesday, we have our show where we focus on nonprofit organizations, and we do that by bringing in, in their leaders and talking about their mission and vision for their organization and the community that they serve here in, again, Southern California and Orange County in particular. On Thursdays at 3 p.m., our nationally syndicated show, Critical Mass, Coast to Coast, features small and mid-market business leaders from across the country. All shows can be heard live here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net, or they can be rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. All shows can be found on our website as well, www.criticalmass4business.com. All right, I'm excited to have... Alex Fondrier on the show. He's founder and CEO of Political Matchmakers. You know, I invited Alex to be on the show to discuss how he recognized the need for politically themed dating sites. I would have never seen that. I don't know. Our engineer shakes his head. He would have never seen that. But that's why there's entrepreneurs, ladies and gentlemen. Alex has founded two dating websites. That makes sense since they're politically themed. Red State Date and Blue State Date which aid singles in finding their perfect running mate. I love that. So let's welcome to the program, Alex. Welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to All be right, here. All right, so tell me about the inspiration for Political Matchmakers and a little bit about your background. I actually just uh, finished my entrepreneurship specialization at the uh, MBA program over at Pepperdine University. So um, I have been uh, quite active in the uh, entrepreneurship uh, community here in Southern California. Uh, the inspiration for the idea actually came quite a few years uh, before, um, where I lived in a part of the country where I was in the deep political minority uh, of what my views were. And so I had looked around on online dating. I had, I had a tough time finding somebody who either shared my political views or even had a similar passion for the issues. Um, you know, there are a lot of folks out there who love talking about current events, who are passionate about uh, politics. But yet in dating, so often we find that the status quo is to steer clear of politics and religion and, and, and those kinds of topics. Um, but I knew that there were a lot of people out there who, who really didn't want to do that, who kind of wanted to go against the status quo. And I found that there were a few little political niche sites out there, but they were a clone of larger dating conglomerates and really were not catered at all to the target market. So quite a few years later, I thought, well, you know what? Why not start two online dating sites, one for liberals and one for conservatives, 
Um, politics is only getting more and more heated in this country. And, uh, and launch these and, uh, and try to make something of it. Because, you know, online dating is a, uh, it's a $2 billion industry right now. There are over 10,000 different online dating establishments right now. And uh, there is a niche site for almost anything you can think of, race, religion, hobbies. If you're a horseback rider, uh, a motorcycle enthusiast, there is a dating site out there for everyone. So I thought, why not do something for people who are really into politics? That's interesting because you know I want to ask you then about your experience competing against you know other online dating firms you know recognized names like Match.com or eHarmony. What is what has been your experience and and how have you been able to create awareness in what is a very what I sense to be a very crowded marketplace? I would say that the competition in terms of eHarmony and Match is a little bit a little bit different and it's a little bit less severe. You're absolutely right that it is a crowded space, but when you have a particular niche in dating, we see because it's such a crowded space, a generic dating site that is like a match or any harmony, just a generic site that wants to match people together uh, without any specific emphasis. Well, those firms are going to have a lot of problems going in because eHarmony and Match.com, these folks, they spend over $100 million every year on advertising. We're in a different situation because we aren't really advertising in the same places they are. Where we're advertising is in political circles, where there really isn't any dating advertising. It's all advocacy and issues. So we kind of have an advantage in that the field it isn't wide open, and marketing is certainly very expensive, of which is you know makes it very difficult for a startup like like us to really penetrate the market little by little, growing, but. We are advertising in a totally different theater than Match and eHarmony. So on political, uh, political websites, Drudge Report, Huffington Post, uh, Real Clear Politics, you've got uh, different social media venues out there, politically-themed pages that have hundreds of thousands of followers. We're getting them to post all of our content. When we do that, we see that our target audience which is a lot easier for us to determine because we know that, okay, well, they're, they're registered to vote. They're likely to vote in a political primary. We know what they read. We know that they're really active. You know, boom, you, you, you advertise in those venues. And we've seen since we've launched that we have a 10.8% uh, visitor-to-member conversion rate. So almost 11% of the folks who see an ad from us in these political venues come to the site will sign up for an account. So it's, uh, we're, we're pretty comfortable and pretty happy with where we are and don't see those bigger firms as, as that big of a threat to us. And when did you launch your two sites? We launched uh, about a month before the election, actually. Okay, that's timely. There's a lot of interest at that point. I have to ask oh, you, I've, I'm sorry, I visited both of your sites to just do some ba- basic background before we did the interview, and I have to ask you... Oh, cool. How much time did you spend selecting the couple that represent each site? Well, uh, <laughs> we actually spent a lot of time doing it because we couldn't really find couples that uh, met our satisfaction. Um, and we ultimately, you know, finding a stock photo or finding a model is um, it's pretty difficult, especially when you have 5 million other things going around 
uh, or, or going on at the same time. Let me tell you, the last month of developing uh, of our development phase was just incredible in terms of the nonstop troubleshooting and bug fixing and making sure everything was uh, terrific. Honestly, the the cover pages were were this time time sink of finding the right person on on it's kind of funny at the end of the day we settled on some of some friends of ours um the 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 fella on the uh red state date he's actually a roommate of mine in college and and the the ladies with us his lovely wife and then on blue state date um the gentleman there is jd Beebe, our chief marketing marketing officer and uh and uh his girlfriend so uh, we thought that they uh, we we dressed them up in in attire that we thought would be befitting of the uh, <laughs> of the two covers, and we uh, got some neat backgrounds there that were politically themed or inspired, uh, you know, or inspired some sort of political themed patriotism or a, a landmark in Blue State Day. We've got the White House there, um, and we went with it, and uh, they look pretty good. I hope you liked them. Oh, I do, and I, I thought, you know, this is interesting because if you took the images and you put them on the different pages, I don't know that it would uh, be as representative. And, you know, it, it, as you made it, I thought you did a great job finding people that maybe fit a bias or fit your mind's eye of what you would think of if you're thinking of a red state date site or a blue state date site. So uh, congratulations to the marketing department and to you for coming up with that very appropriate visual oh, on I your home pages. <laughs> What what challenges are you facing right now as you launch your business and, and keep moving it into the second, third, and fourth quarters? Well, the biggest challenge we have now is, you know, when we launched, we had a great deal of earned media uh, s- surrounding the project. People were really exciting. It was uh, right around the election time. And uh, we've seen the notoriety and, um, you know, that initial surge you get when you first launch something new and exciting like this wear off a little bit. And the reason why it's wearing off is because we don't have that kind of Match.com or eHarmony-style um, budget where we could pump $100 million and flood the airwaves and, you know, keep that, keep that going. Our biggest challenge is definitely um, on the financial end. We're looking for, you know, different kinds of angel investors and, and, and smaller-scale venture capitalists who are looking to uh, venture capital firms looking to maybe – uh, invest in, in this kind of a venture, you know, that way we can have those those different resources to adequately go after our target market. The leading indicators are there. I mean, we have a very strong foundation. We're very happy with the, um, the reception that it got when it launched. Um, even our users, I mean, we've grown to 6,000 folks just in three months. And, um, you know, with a very limited marketing spend, that to me, signifies that the proof of concept is there. You know, it's just a matter of uh, getting the adequate resources to grow this thing. And uh, we're excited that that will happen. I very much believe for an entrepreneur to build a successful early-stage company, having a very clear focus on a niche is an advantage. And so when you're uh, when you were proposed to us as a radio show guest, I, I loved the idea. And frankly, I was surprised that it hadn't been thought of before. You know, I think it's such, after you, it's, and that's what I like about a really good idea. It's the kind of thing when you hear it, you go, well, that makes perfect sense. Now, wait a minute, how come that hasn't been done already? And so uh, credit to you for finding an obvious opportunity and a clear niche. And I think that's going to help you survive what is, you know, those early days of a company. And I think maybe that speaks to having 6,000 people on your sites already. 
Well, I really appreciate that, and and you know you're you you kind of hit the issue right on the head there. I also had thought, well, you know, I'm surprised that nobody else has done this, and in a way, it kind of uh, made me worry a little bit because I thought to myself, well, if if nobody else has done this, maybe it's for a reason. But a few people have, in their own little way, tried to cater into the political niche. They just haven't done a good job of it, and they're not a company that has a mission for the political niche. You'll have larger dating conglomerates who will clone a dating platform 20 times, stamp an elephant or a donkey on it, and pass it off as a Democratic or Republican dating site. But at the end of the day, they're just a big dating holding company. They aren't folks who have a passion for politics. They haven't tailored their product. I mean, our product is tailored toward political junkies. You come in, it's almost like the LinkedIn of politics. You can list uh, the different campaigns you volunteered on or... Uh, you know, what are some of the talk shows that you regularly listen to? We have a three-part political assessment where we measure on the spectrum your economic, foreign policy, and social views, and accordingly you can search for matches based on uh, how conservative or liberal you'd like to see their economic or foreign policy and social views as well. So we really made our product tailored toward our target market, and that's something that was severely lacking in, in other companies that thought they would dabble and political niche dating. So I think that, that um, that's what really sets us apart, and I think that that is a strength that will hopefully uh, propel us to uh, keep a strong hold on that niche because of how the founders, how we understand our, our target market. You gave a perfect example of the difference, and it's not unique to your industry, and I love these teachable moments that are transcendent beyond different industries. and. The fact that you understand the, the demographic and the psychographic of, of, the, of the prospect and the client better than a more generic site that just tries to brand themselves that way over time creates the differentiation that is sustainable. And uh, right. it's obviously a testament to your fine education at Pepperdine as well. Being a fellow <laughs> graduate of Pepperdine, I, I'm allowed to say that. Oh, are you? Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean you, you know, the... The entrepreneurship program there is a, you know, it's a very holistic view of, you know, starting a company, determining the viability of your idea, coming up with an idea, coming, you know, uh, understanding its viability, understanding the financing consequences, the, the managing of the business, the marketing of the business. When you fully understand all of the different pieces, getting a business, especially a, a new 21st century style business that, that is internet-based and online-based, you know, having those, having that foundation there. And, you know, for me, it was so useful to be in class and, and use my own business as my case study while actually launching it. I think that that uh, enriched both my education and the business. I agree. It's like having a peer group uh, to sit and vet your ideas against people who can give Absolutely. you really valuable insight. My uh, engineer brought, I guess, a, a question from the audience. Are you going to be launching other sites like a green state dating site or other third-party sites? Well, you know, we've thought about, we've thought about that. T to be honest with you, right when we first started the company, we had sort of an internal debate among us about, well, do we launch two sites? Do we just have one site for, for people of all different politics? Um, we ultimately decided on two sites just because of the by, uh polar nature of American politics. 
the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, the sort of the two-party nature that's been emblematic of our politics for so long. And what we did alongside that was try to tailor it so that folks who are maybe not a rubber stamp for the Republican or Democratic parties, folks libertarians or, or you know more Green Party-centered people, uh, that's why we tailored the site, not just in you know party, but also where you stand on the issues in terms of economics, foreign policy, and social policy, which are the three main areas of politics. And I think that you know we've done a really good job in in opening ourselves up so that people of all general persuasions would be interested in joining. Now, of course, there is redstatebait.com and bluestatebait.com, so we do give some due deference to the two-party nature of the country. And I think that most people out there know that they swing one way or the other with, you know, little quirks here and there in terms of specific views. Um, you know, maybe later on down the road we we will do, do something like that. We'll have to also take the temperature of politics, of American politics, and see, um, you know, if a third party were to were to jump up. I mean, right now there, there's certainly a lot of political turmoil within within both parties, I think, in, in terms of, uh, you know, more pragmatist moderates versus party orthodoxy. And uh, who knows, later on, you know, we'll, we'll be constantly assessing the market, the, our, in, or in our case, you know, the political landscape. And uh, if we have the resources and if things go uh, as planned, sure, we, we would definitely consider that. Yeah, there is a there's a movement for the people who see themselves now as independents, you know, people moving sure. and disassociating from either of the two parties. And so maybe there's a third site. I don't know what that site would be, but for those independent people who register themselves unaffiliated, if you will. Swingstatebait.com. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, this is the marketing genius that is Alex, why he's created these two uh, sites already. If someone... I think we've said it several times, but just to be safe, if someone would like to find your dating sites online, how do they find each one? Well, you can visit us at redstatedate.com or bluestatedate.com. You could also find us. We have our Twitter handles, at redstatedate and at bluestatedate. We have a YouTube channel for each site, um, youtube.com slash redstatedate or slash bluestatedate, and you could find some of our really funny launch videos that we produced a couple months ago. They're sort of political parody, friends staging interventions on other friends who are dating someone outside of their political views. They're quite a riot. Um, and then also we're on Facebook. Um, and um, even Googling us, you, you know, it'll, it'll come right up. So uh, there, there are many ways to, to get in touch with both sites. We're doing a Valentine's Day promotion now, locking in a one-month rate at half off if folks want to check that out. You just enter in the little uh, promo code there, Valentine, and um, it'll it'll take you to the appropriate page there. And, um, you know, as time goes on, we're, we're hosting a singles mixer in New York City, actually, later this week, and we hope to have some events here in Southern California as well. I am based at, right here in Irvine, and my two business partners are based in New York City. So um, a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the activity and, and emphasis we we put on is is in the areas where we're based out makes sense well you know sometimes they say opposites attract as well and so maybe someone who's looking for a person with a different political viewpoint can very easily find that person as well it doesn't always have to be someone who sees the world the same way you do i think diversity is a a powerful thing to have in a healthy relationship 
I completely agree with you, and uh, I I know uh, many of my friends are from the other end of the of the political spectrum, and uh, you know there's there's certainly no problem in uh, uh, in befriending and, and spending time with people from all walks of life. I wish you nothing but continued success. I'm so glad that you were re- recommended by another member of the Critical Mass community as a radio show guest. You you made for interesting topic here and content. I thank you for being a friend of the program, and we're we're going to have you back in the future, Alex, so we can see what other ventures you're getting underway as well. So, good luck and continued success. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time, and uh, thanks to all your viewers out there as well. Okay. Uh, I'm going to come right back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, but we're going to take our final commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show, and then we'll be back to wrap up the show after these words from our sponsors. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you've not seen an episode of Critical Mass TV show, our internet TV show, then please visit our website, www.criticalmass4forbusiness.com, where you'll find a link to our latest show and all of our shows. Our most recent show features Philip Chang, founder and CEO of Yogurtland. And I hope you'll find time to listen and watch the show. All right. I hope today's guest, Two Entrepreneurs, gave you some Insight, excitement, enthusiasm. I'm trying to think of another E word to get you going here because this is all about entrepreneurship here this month on Critical Mass Radio Show. If you're on the sidelines, ladies and gentlemen, trying to decide if it's time to jump, I'm telling you, do it now. This is the right time to launch a business. Uh, I disclaim any responsibility for your actions, but I'm just saying I highly encourage you to consider doing it. There you go. All right, so this is Rick Franzi. Uh, I am your host of the show. Our engineer today is Paul Roberts. Our producer is Rachel Franzi. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. And our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltas. And so until the next time we have a chance to talk, and so if you're listening live, that's tomorrow at 4 p.m. when we do our nonprofit radio show. If you're listening to us as a podcast, well, then find a nonprofit podcast and listen to that as well. Uh, Here's hoping that all of your decisions will move your organization in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show right here on OCTalkRadio.net.